Onyx Hunt is our go-to solution for anything mapping related, whether we're at the house or in the field, whether we're using the tracking feature in order to kind of figure out exactly where we're going in and out of the woods, to also implementing the new cell camera feature where you can actually link your different cell cameras that you may have from different brands and be able to get all those photos sent directly through the Onyx app where you can actually see them on your maps and be able to go through all your photos right there in one place. You can use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout and save 20% on your Onyx Onyx membership. Onyx has been extremely helpful for us the last six years, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for you. So know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know the drill. Good optics are a must, whether you're running a red dot sight on your turkey gun or you're running some binos this turkey season, or if you're shopping for a new rifle scope. Vortex Optics needs to be the first place you look. They got something for everybody, whether you're wanting to get some entry-level glass or if you're wanting top-of-the-line glass and really good stuff, they got that too. They also have an unbeatable VIP warranty. If something happens to your Vortex Optic, you can send it in. They will fix it or replace it. Best warranty in the business, bar none. Head on over to MidwayUSA.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN to get a discount on your order of any Vortex product. Again, that's MidwayUSA.com. Go use that promo code SOUTHERN. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the show. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Meadow Creek Mounts is your go-to mounting option for red dots on your turkey shotgun. And one of my favorite features about this mount is you don't have to drill and tap your shotgun in order to mount a red dot onto your shotgun. I personally have used this mount the last two seasons and it's worked extremely well for me. One thing I personally like about it is because it's so low onto the barrel when it mounts to the rib of your shotgun, it allows for a very natural head positioning when shouldering your gun. Also an advantage of using a red dot compared to maybe just a traditional bead on your shotgun is you get a much more clear view of the turkey and you're able to kind of see what else is around there and making sure you're perfectly on that bird. Now if you're interested in giving Meadow Creek Mounts a try you can go over to the website MeadowCreekMounts.com and use the code SOUTHERN at checkout to be able to save 10% on your order. Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Strut Report. Happy Friday. It is hopefully either uh, one day closer to your turkey season or just another day closer to the weekend so you can get out and go turkey hunting. Unless you're one of these non-essential people out there that is uh, stuck at the house. Uh, If that's the case, I hope you're killing the crap out of turkeys right now, unlike me. (laughs) But anyways, guys, we've got a really cool lineup for this week uh, covering a bunch of different states from Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Georgia, Illinois, and North Carolina. So we've got a big lineup for everybody. 
had actually a couple of listeners uh, come on as well, kind of help us out covering both Illinois and North Carolina, which is a huge help. We really appreciate them. And that being said, if you're a listener out there in pretty much any state, and especially if you're hunting either public or private land, you're getting out there quite a bit and have a good understanding of what's going on, shoot us a message. We could always use you as a strut reporter. Uh, I actually use quite a bit of listeners uh, for strut reporters throughout the whole season because uh, we'll do this throughout May as well or all the way to May. Um, but anyways, hope you guys enjoy this episode. We really appreciate you uh, tuning in for it. Also, make sure you stay tuned come Monday for our Monday episode as well. And uh, until next time, guys, I will shut up and uh, let's jump right into this week's strut report. All right, guys, and first on the line, we have Jake Upton coming in from Mississippi. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I know you just killed a bird on some public land a couple days ago, and we're going to kind of jump right into the strut report, kind of talking a little bit about that and everything else. And uh, really, the first question I'd like to ask you is, what's the gobbling activity been like for you over the last week or so? Uh, I'm seeing a lot, like, on clear days that they've been fired up on public land. But the past couple of days have been kind of cloudy, and mostly I've, I haven't heard as many birds as I heard on the clear days, but on the cloudy days, usually when they wake up, the ones I've been around have been letting out one or two gobbles, and that's it. Okay. Until, until fly down. Well, that kind of goes into a, a question I'll have in a little bit. But, you know, from the birds you've been seeing, uh, especially on public land and also maybe some private you've hunted as well, uh, are they right now fairly hinned up or flocked up, or are you starting to see more lone gobblers by themselves throughout the day? On the public land I've been hunting, uh, it's mostly, mostly the only thing I've seen is gobblers. Uh, when they've been flying down, they've been uh, hitting the ground hard looking for hens have been very lonely. Uh, I've been kind of surprised at how I haven't seen many hens around the gobblers. They've all been pretty much by themselves. Wow, I'll say that's a great situation. I don't know how many more tags you've got, but I'd be taking full advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, dude. Well, kind of getting into the uh, question, talking about fly down, where are you seeing these gobblers going right after fly down? Is there anything specific that they're heading to, or, uh, you know, are they staying pretty close to the roost tree? Uh, on the public land, they've pretty much been hitting the ground running, covering as much ground as possible. Like, you set up under a bird and he flies and goes the other direction, uh, you're going to have to walk two or three miles to, keep, to cut him off. I mean, they're covering some serious ground. But like on a couple of private land birds I've been hunting that's had hens with them, they pretty much are staying in the hardwood, staying two to three hundred yards from the roost tree until about mid to midday. Okay. And do you suspect that this is on the public land at least, they're covering so much ground just to find another hen that they need to breed or, or what do you think that's, you know, causing that? That's the only thing I can imagine, uh, is that it's pretty hilly terrain and they can't see. Uh, but a couple hundred yards between each hill. So I'm imagining they're trying to cover as much ground and trying to find as many hens as they can or just trying to find one hen. Okay. And kind of going to another question, you know, what tactics right now have been working for you uh, and maybe some buddies on some of that public land you're hunting? Uh, something new that I've figured out works a lot this year is uh, if you know you're setting up on a, a dominant bird that's doing most of the gobbling, that if you don't, if you know he's got hens on the other side of him or something, it's gobbling back at him. 
And every time he gobbles in the rooster, you cut him off with a gobble. And I've had that work several times this year, and they fly right down in my lap. Oh, man, that actually goes uh, hand-in-hand with our last episode. We just dropped uh, about four days ago on Monday talking about gobbling and uh, and calling in birds like that. So that's that's a fantastic point, dude. And, and kind of for the last question, you know, what's a tip you'd leave the listeners as something that's maybe worked for you in the past that they can implement maybe going into this weekend? Patience is the main thing that I've learned this year is if you know there's birds in the area and you're standing there listening in daylight and you don't hear nothing, I wouldn't get discouraged because like the bird I killed the other day, I knew they were there, but they just didn't gobble. And I walked a mile in there to where I thought they were and thought I'd wasted my time. And within 15 minutes later, they were fired. I don't know, just patience is the key. Well, also, Jake, well, man, we appreciate you coming on for this week's Strut Report. Good luck for the rest of your season in Mississippi and any of those other states you talked to, uh, talked to me earlier about if you're going to be hunting out of state this year. Good luck on those trips as well. And I appreciate it. And good luck to everybody out there hunting. And next on the line, guys, we have Wayne Lackey coming in from Alabama. Wayne, what's going on? Not a whole lot. How are you doing? Doing good. I know you just got done versus some birds, and we'll kind of we'll kind of use some of that observation you saw this and heard this evening into some of these questions, which kind of leads to the very first question. You know, what has the, the gobbing activity been like for you over this last few days uh, up in Alabama where you're hunting? Well, um, yesterday I didn't hear a turkey at all. The day before, we got on uh, – we, we got on one gobble pretty good, but we had to pretty much force a gobble out of him. Uh, we heard two two gobblers, one gobble about six times, one gobble about 150 times. And uh, and that was because we were calling to him, and he was just doing a, a lapse around us and ended up and just walked, uh, you know, the green up, leaves on the trees. He, he just walked all in between, between us. Uh, and uh, you just couldn't see him. It was just a bad setup, uh, you know. But sometimes you have to just take what you have. And uh, but I mean, it seems like it's about every other day. You know, you'll hear a lot of birds gobble uh, one day, or you'll hear hear turkeys gobble pretty good one day. Then the next day, you, you won't be able to get anything. And uh, I don't know whether it's they're uh, gobbling up a, a bunch of hens one day, and then uh, the next day they roost close to them and they don't have to gobble a lot or, or what's going on with them but uh, you know it's just kind of up and down you know one day like this morning we heard a lot of birds um, you know we heard uh, like me and my hunt partner between us we went to two different spots but you know, we heard a good many turkeys uh, probably uh, you know eight or eight or ten birds you right. know, today but we may not hear anything tomorrow Mm-hmm. Well, kind of getting into the next question is, um, you know, hen up birds. Right now, are you seeing, you know, a lot of the gobblers still flocked up with a bunch of hens, or are you seeing more of the hens kind of going to nest and more lone gobblers by themselves? Uh, it's kind of kind of uh, a little bit in between. I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, we, uh, the gobbler we got on the uh, day before yesterday, uh, he was by himself. Uh, but, I mean, he's probably been shot, you know, two or three times this season already. I mean, he's... Uh, everybody in the community knows where he's at and have hunted him. And then, um, you know, this morning I saw three gobblers and two hens together out on burn ground. You know, they were, and they, they would gobble, but it was just kind of a, uh, you know, they would, they would gobble when I called to them, but, uh, they weren't coming off that burn ground. But I mean, these turkeys, the same thing, you know, they've been, been, uh, hunted pretty hard, 
you know, we, we're just coming off this uh, full moon and all this rapid growing up. You know, turkeys, uh, you know, in my experience, they get a little bit spooky at this time of year. You know, that's a lot of people call it the lull, you know, where turkeys, uh, you know, the first week of season, they gobbled pretty good. And then all the turkeys that were gobbling good, you know, got killed. Then the next week, the lull, um, you know, people say, well, they're gobbled out, they're done gobbling or whatever, but, you know, they, they pick it back up. So, you know, the first week they all get killed. Then the next week they, um, you know, start trying to work out their pecking order, you know, plus rapid green up and the light uh, from the moon. You know, they see a lot of spooky stuff that they're not used to seeing, and I think that shuts them up. And then now, you know, the, the pecking order's getting worked out, and, uh, you know, maybe some of these hens that are, you know, still coming back to gobblers, you know, they're out walking around, and, and uh, you know, these gobblers, are, you know, which I'm seeing a lot of, uh, of uh, dusting, you know, with, uh, you know, feathers in the dusting, so we know that, you know, hens are starting to sit. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, I think we're about to hear some of our best gobbling here in the next week. Perfect. Well, kind of getting into the next question, you know, where are you seeing turkeys right now flying down, or what are they doing after fly down? Are you seeing them stay, you know, talking gobblers here, are they staying close to the roostry, or do you start seeing them covering more ground right when they come off fly down? Uh, no, I don't think they're going very far. I mean, where where I'm hunting at, but I mean, got to keep in mind, I mean, I'm hunting, uh, where, where I hunted uh, Monday, is about 100 miles from where I'm hunting at today. So, you know, a lot can happen in that amount of, uh, you know, geography. Uh, you know, turkeys in one area may be farther alone or not as far alone as others. But, uh, you know, where I hunted, uh, uh, you know, earlier in the week, you know, the turkey flew down and never left the, never left the uh, holler that he flew down in. And, you uh, but no, they're they're not going far. I mean, not until we either kill them or or uh, scare them, or they just walk off, and you know who knows where they go. And actually, that brings up a question because uh, you hunt a lot of public land, you know, across the state of Alabama, uh, in, in you know different terrain types. Um, but do you see turkeys like when you find a bird or two? you know, in a certain area, do you see him, or if they don't get killed, they stay in that, you know, general area pretty much all season if they don't get killed? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll stay in the same general area. They're not going to leave their hands. I mean, they walk, you know, they walk around in this area, you know, for the month before season coming up, you know, you know, they've done fought it out and kind of staked their claim to a little bit of an area, and, and I don't think they're going to go very far. You know, they, their hens are there. They're gonna they're gonna stay right in there. I mean, I know where there's two or three turkeys that have been shot, and you know, you wait wait three or four days, and you know they'll start back gobbling. You know, they're not gonna go far. And we'll kind of get into another question. Uh, I know you've had a pretty good year so far this season, and uh, you know what tactics have been working for you so far this year uh, that maybe people can kind of implement possibly. Just uh, just don't give up. I mean, when you call, expect expect one to answer you when you call to him i mean uh i killed one at 9 a.m i think i think the actually no the first one i killed was at about 4 5 o'clock in the evening uh went there to roost the turkey uh called and uh he answered and you know 10 minutes later you know two gobblers come strutting up uh, 
then the next one was at like 9 a.m. Um, then, uh, you know, I'd spent a lot of time. I'd walk probably about three miles calling, couldn't get an answer. And uh, I'm like 100, mile, 100 yards from the truck. And uh, I call and a gobbler answers and had two gobblers and one hen come in, kill one of those. And then uh, the next day, uh, it was 11 a.m., uh, got one, killed him about an hour and a half later. He was just up on a shelf on the side of the mountain, uh, you know, strutting gobbling and uh, just had to sneak up on him. And uh, then uh, killed one at uh, about 7.15. You know, I've only killed one straight off the roost. You know, but he was kind of, he didn't gobble right at, you know, gobbling time at like 6.20. It didn't, we never heard him until about 7:15, and you know, five minutes later, he was he was dead. So, uh, but no, I mean, it's just any time of the day. I mean, my advice would be just to stay in the woods. You know, you're not gonna even even on days when it rains. I mean, just like this morning, it was monsoon at, at uh, you know four o'clock, four thirty when I'm going to the woods, and uh, you know, by daylight, it was beautiful. You know, still calm day. You know, and I mean, a lot of times on these uh, rainy, windy days, you know, I go to the woods and get out, you know, turkeys have nowhere to go. They're going to be there. I mean, you may or may not hear them. I mean, but, uh, you know, just spend spend as much time in the woods as you can. Don't be afraid to go hunt in the evenings. Um, you know, don't be afraid to hunt in the middle of the day. And that kind of that kind of goes over a question which you might have just already answered is you know the last one being you know what's a tip you'd leave the listeners for something that they can implement maybe going into this weekend to hopefully have some success. Uh, I just get to the woods early, you know, be there early, be out of the car early, you know, make sure you know uh, you uh, listen. I mean, don't do a lot of hooting. Uh, I, I found that only this public land turkeys that we we're hunting i mean they've been hooted at they've uh, you know people well a lot of inexperienced hunters they'll hoot all the way under the tree if, if the turkey will gobble they'll hoot all the way to him and, and try to shoot him if they can you know uh, i think just uh, you know let the let the woods come alive and uh let him gobble on his own uh, don't be so quick if you know there's birds there don't be so quick to jump in the truck and and uh, drive down the road. I mean, if you know the turkeys are there, he's going to probably gobble some point during the day. You know, so just, I guess, uh, you know, one point is is just don't get, be so quick to give up and uh, and bail out. All right, perfect. Well, Wayne, we appreciate you coming on for this week's episode of the Strut Report. Uh, good luck for the rest of your season. Hopefully, you can tag out uh, maybe soon and then uh, take me and Andrew hunting. But then again, I've heard stories of you taking Andrew hunting, and it sounded horrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty rough. I mean, I, I like to cover a lot of, a lot of ground. I mean, uh, but yeah, I hope. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you cut, let me know. Come on up. All right, guys. And next on the line, we have Chris Jenkins coming back on uh, from North Georgia. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jacob. Uh, good to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, good sounds to hear. Sounds like you've uh, sounds like you had a good hunt. Listen to the last podcast there. We we did lots of close encounters, uh, funny times, and uh, no joke for anyone that listened to that episode. We actually Andrew actually did 
uh, get a bird to shot gobble while we were recording the podcast. So uh, he did go chase that turkey and actually spooked it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, anyways, Chris. So last time we had you on, we were talking about kind of uh, you know North Georgia hunting and kind of your background in hunting uh, a few weeks ago and. Uh, season opened up, and man, you've had a great season so far along with your son uh, while being stuck at this quarantine, which is kind of the reason why we want to have you back on is uh, kind of covering that north part of the state of Georgia, kind of hunting mountain birds, uh, which kind of gets us right into the first question. You know, over this last, uh, you know, four or five, six days, what's the gobbling activity been like for you all uh, in that time frame? Yeah, well, the, the, the first way, I'll probably answer all of your questions in this way, but, you know, I hunt, uh, live right amongst the Chattahoochee National Forest, and so I hunt at different elevations, and so I kind of, there's like a foothills elevation, which I might put somewhere, say, a 1,000 feet up to 2,000 feet, and then kind of intermediate between 2,000 and, say, three thirty five hundred, 3,500, and then high elevation, which is everything above that, <clears throat> and it's quite different when you, get, when you go up. But anyways, in terms of gobbling activity recently it had been quite slow until i'd say about a week week and a half ago um even at low elevations we're here in uh, in the foothills we were hearing some gobbling uh but in the in the last week both at those low elevations and at the the mid elevations that let's say 2000 foot to three or three thousand thirty five hundred the birds have been gobbling pretty good now so um yeah, so they're, they're definitely starting to fire up. All right, perfect. Well, kind of get into the next question is, uh, you know, with the population of birds that you've been hunting pretty much this whole season and actually was able to tag out on them, um, you know, were, are the birds, especially over this last week or so, uh, week and a half, are the gobblers relatively hinned up, as in are they still flocked up right now with a bunch of hens, or are you seeing gobblers starting to split off and hens starting to split off uh, as they go to nest? Yeah, so so the birds were flocked up pretty good early on. I'd say the last bird on my limit I shot, uh, you know, about a week ago, and uh, that bird was uh, still a small group of hens, but some of the hens were starting to to break off, and that was down in that that foothills region, the lower elevations I was talking about. Um, but we killed a bird. My son killed a bird this morning, um, kind of at those those mid elevations between two thousand and. 3,500 feet and uh, the bird we found it was completely alone and and that's kind of the pattern I'm seeing now I'm out pretty much every day for at least a portion of every day um, oftentimes at multiple you know these elevation zones I'm talking about definitely at the low and the, the foothills and that mid elevation definitely starting to see the birds uh, spread out starting to see lone hens um, and but I will say at those high elevations I just started visiting some 4,000-foot-plus elevation sites, actually just over the border in North Carolina, and uh, the birds I'm finding up there are still pretty flocked up. Okay, and that actually was an extra question I thought about was, you know, how does the, the elevation change what the turkeys are doing, you know, in those areas? As in, you know, are, do you see them more delayed the higher up you go compared to what's down low? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... You know, you can think of it just like latitude. You know, as you, you start in the south and you go north, um, you know, if you're one of these traveling hunters and, and you want to hunt as long as you can, you know, most people start in Florida and then end somewhere up in Maine. And, and uh, you know, elevation does the same thing uh, to turkeys. You know, you just have a cooler uh, environment. The plants are, you know, say coming up later and, and so on. So, yeah, you will see elevational changes where, 
um, in a relatively short distance, say in miles, you can have birds that are in completely different stages where, you know, down around, say, 1,500 feet, these birds are nesting and, and uh, you know, gobblers are searching the landscape. And then you go up above 4,000 feet, really not that many miles away, and, and uh, they're still flocked up, so... Okay. Well, kind of going into the another question is, you know, where are you seeing the gobblers going after flydown? Are they staying close to the roost tree, or are you seeing them starting to cover more ground, uh, especially this part of the season? Well, this year I've been lucky, and I've been seeing them come to the end of my gun. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but um, there's, uh, you know, uh, there's some truth to that in most of the birds that I've hunted that I've been able to kill this year. But um, I will say that, uh, you know, I think more so uh, than in most years that I've experienced, um, the birds have seemed to stay um, closer to where they were roosted. And I think that has to do with a couple of things. Well, first of all, you know, I was hunting, you know, finish that limit in the in the early part of the season so there were typically with big groups of birds and the other thing that's that's a lot different this year is that our vegetation is much further along than it than it has been say in a typical year or, pre, or previous years so um you know whereas a bird that it might be roosted on the ridge typically would be moving down you know say following the flock of hens down the bottom of a basin or a little valley you know to get at some of that fresh green up and some of that forage you know a lot of these birds uh, i'm assuming i can't say this for sure but you know they seem to be staying closer to the roost than i'm typically used to but again i think it's just because there's more food across the forest they don't need to focus as much on these little wet areas early on. okay and, and kind of getting over to another question which you know, I think is going to be really interesting to hear your perspective on this, but what tactics have been working for you all uh, so far this season? Yeah, well, I'd say we've, we've, uh, I've used a variety of tactics in, in the podcast that, that we just did a couple of few weeks ago. We talked about my Mississippi hunts and we talked about, um, you know, kind of bushwhacking birds and moving in on birds. And I'll definitely say of the, the five birds that me and my son have killed this year multiple birds have involved that type um, but we've also called in uh, multiple birds and I'll just share kind of the tactic we used on my son's bird uh, today in that you know we found this bird we hunted him a few days ago and uh, the mountains can be tricky with sound and so this bird sounded like he was quite a ways away and so I was hustling up getting my son to move on this bird and we were trying to get around this ridge and before you know it we were literally face to face with this gobbler that flew off that was a few days ago so then today uh, we went out and uh we went he was roosted in the exact same spot um and you know we, we had called it to him a little bit very responsive from the roost and he was out of the tree in 10 minutes which is exactly was really odd but exactly what he did uh a few days ago and so the minute he did that i knew exactly where he was coming down and doing the opposite instead of being incredibly aggressive we sat down and uh just were very patient and waited for him to come to us and uh he did the exact same thing 
uh, he did three days ago. It's just that, that we did something different and switched our tactics to a very patient uh, calling type tactic as opposed to the bushwhacking, uh, moving in on bird. And that's what that was what worked on the bird. So I guess I'd say uh, diversity of tactics. And, and I think, you know, all good turkey hunters do that. That's, that's what makes turkey hunting fun is, is you've got to make decisions on the fly. So um, we've used a lot of different things this year and uh, it has put us to success. So. Perfect. And kind of get into our last question. You know, what's a tip you'd leave the listeners as uh, something that uh, maybe they can start implementing come this weekend to help them be more successful for this season? Well, you know, what I would say is, is, a, is a tip that a lot of people probably give, but I'll add a little something to it. And, and that, and I think this is really important, turkey hunting in general, is patience. But I'm going to put it, patience on kind of two scales and I'm really good at one and I'm really bad at the other. And so the first one, I would say patience at kind of a coarse scale. When I say that, for example, you know, let's just say a bird comes out of the roost and it's not coming right to me. I know it's with some hens, um, you know, in the general vicinity where I am, I am perfectly patient. I can sit there for hours and wait for that bird to fire back up. And if you remember that Mississippi bird, that's exactly what happened. Where I'm not good um, is on what I'll call a fine scale or short-term patience. And that's, you know, when you've got a bird and he's responding and you're sitting there and you're calling uh, and, and, and I at some point try to typically move closer when I shouldn't. And actually this year, um, I did that a couple times on birds. I wasn't patient enough in that real short-term uh, you know, I just needed to wait 10 minutes and I probably would have killed that bird. In both cases, I ended up killing that bird the next day. But, um, but so I would say patience, but, um, you know, I, a lot of people are probably good at that short-term patience that I'm not good at. But, but think about that long-term patience too, because that pays off. Oftentimes those birds are in the same general area and they'll fire back up and you can get right back on them. So. All right, perfect. Well, Chris, uh, we appreciate you coming on. You know, best of luck to your son and you the rest of the season. I know there's a few other states you're going to be trying to hit on as well. But, uh, again, we appreciate you coming on for this week's strut Report, and uh, thanks again. No problem. Hey, I uh, appreciate all you guys do. All right, guys, and next in line we have our buddy Shane Simpson from Calling All Turkeys. Shane, what's going on, dude? Not a whole lot. Uh, just doing my thing down here in Tennessee. Yep, so we got Shane coming on. Uh, he's going to be covering Tennessee. Uh, had drove one heck of a drive down. I don't know how many hours it was from Minnesota, but, dude, I know you had a haul on uh, Sunday night or Sunday. It's a, it was a 14-hour drive, and I wanted to get here for Monday morning in order to hunt, so I drove all afternoon and all night. Yeah, well, it's uh, that, that's tough, man, but, hey, you got the dedication. It's starting to pay off for you, so we'll kind of jump right into this episode uh, since you've been down here since Monday, so going on four days. This is the fourth day so far. Um, you know, kind of start us off, you know, what's the gobbling activity you've been, uh, you know, hearing since you've been down in Tennessee right now? It's, uh, I hunted Tennessee last year, uh, and the gobbling activity is not quite as good, but by public land standards, it's pretty good. I'm hearing uh, several birds each morning. This morning was the slowest. I only heard two distant gobbles. But the, the other three mornings I heard birds, you know, that I could move on and work. The, the only issue was I kept running into other hunters. The hunting pressure was probably the biggest factor. Yep. Well, they were gobbling good. Okay, perfect. And kind of from the birds you've been seeing over the last four days, uh, are they relatively flocked up or are you starting to see individual gobblers by themselves and hens kind of split off? Well, it's mostly 
hearing birds. I, I saw a few, and just by what I heard, I, I, it was mixed flocks. Uh, I, I heard some hens and jakes, and then and it sounded like two or three toms together. So it sounded like small flocks um, wherever I went, and um, and and then an occasional single gobbler you'd find later in the morning. And I think that was more a result of hunters bumping birds because I would see them fly out of trees in the mid-morning, um, you know, that sort of thing. I think they were just getting bumped around. I think, for the most part, they're still in small flocks. That's what I was seeing, anyway. Now, again, saying, you know, you've seen a few birds, and it's been kind of tough with hunting pressure and everything, but where do you see the birds, or where do you think the birds are going after fly-down? What are the gobblers doing? Are they staying close to the roost trees, it sounds like, or does it sound like they're covering ground once they hit the ground? Um, well, they're, they're following the hens and, and they're covering ground because uh, once they fly down, the few that were gobbling still, you could hear them moving, and I was out hooting and, and, and calling to them and trying to get in position, and they were on the move uh, quite a bit. I mean, they were, um, you know, it wasn't a tremendous amount, but you're talking at least a quarter mile in, you know, in a short amount of time. Uh, they, and I'm hunting next to a river and there's uh, ridges and and there, there's some fields also, and, and they seem to be moving quite a bit. If you don't get in front of them, you, you're, you're out of the ball game pretty much. Now, you've had some success while in Tennessee. Uh, you know, what tactics have been working for you? And then also, in, in the other regard, you know, what's not working for you right now in Tennessee? Uh, I guess what's working for me is I'm using a kayak to get into places uh, away from the other hunting pressure. Uh, that was That's what ended up working for me to get that one bird. Um and, and getting on birds that I could actually work, um, that was seemed to be the, the best option for me. I, I did try to come in from the road access a few times. Um, w- one bird I had roosted, I got beat by another hunter, so I, had, I lost that spot. And so, yeah, the, the, the competition from other hunters was the biggest factor, trying to get away from them. I guess that answers both questions. I mean, that was the difficulty then, that's, you know, what I was, um, doing to get away from that and and then you know if you could find those birds in those areas that weren't being pressured as much you had a better chance of uh, getting on something all right and you know kind of going to our, our last question you know what's a tip you lead the listeners as something that you know has been working for you uh, in the past that they can maybe implement this weekend to have some success uh, well based on uh, past experience and this this week here, um, it seemed to be later in the morning uh, was the, the one of the things that helped after you know, some of the hunters left and, and the birds are trying to find each other. The gobblers are trying to relocate their hens. And the other, I guess, tip would be roost birds. Um, I had a much better chance, I think, when I was uh, when I knew where a bird was roosted. Um, like I, I actually roosted one here and, and actually filmed it go up into a tree. And I was set to kill that bird the next morning. The problem was I got beat to the gate. But if you can, you know, roost birds and then be, stay out there a little later, that mid-morning to about noon, I would start hearing more gobbling. I was floating the river just sitting there listening. And that's when I, I think I heard almost as many gobbles later in the morning as I did right at daybreak. All right, perfect. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, how many more days are you down there in Tennessee? Um... Well, I'm mulling that over in my head right now. I'm either hunting tomorrow morning and leaving for Virginia, 
or I'm staying another day or two. I have until Sunday. I have a seven-day tag, and I'm probably going to make that decision tonight or first day in the morning. And the weather's not very good in Virginia, the forecast, so that's kind of weighing a, a factor on me. So I've got at least one more morning here and then maybe up to three more mornings. Okay. All right. Well, Shane, well, we appreciate you coming on for this week's Strut Report. Good luck uh, the rest of your season, especially uh, the rest of this week in Tennessee, and uh, stay safe while you're driving today. I appreciate it, man. You have a good season also. Good luck to you. All right, guys. And next on the line, we have John Durkis coming in from Southern Illinois. And, John, what's going on, dude? Hey, not a whole lot, Jacob. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. It's, it's always good to have listeners on the podcast as well and kind of giving uh, some feedback, especially on these strut reports. So it's a perfect timing for that. And uh, Southern Illinois season, or just Illinois, uh, I guess, um, did season, when did y'all's first week of season come in? Uh, well, the South Zone, which I hunt in, opened up on Monday for the first season. So it's been in for a couple days now okay perfect so we're getting some pretty fresh content coming up from uh southern illinois so that'll be great which kind of jumps us right into uh first question which i guess before we even do that uh we can say i guess you, you had success uh opening day up there for your season which i guess anyone that doesn't know illinois has very specific seasons and the tags are based on county as well so it's kind of confusing on how you hunt up there uh, for especially any of us Southerners where we can hunt, you know, for 45 plus days in some seasons or some states and hunt all over the state with that same tag. So it makes it a little more tough uh, compared to what you go, go through. But uh, kind of jumping into it again, uh, gobbling activity. What, you, what have you been experiencing over the last four or five days up there in the, in the region of the state that you hunt in? All right. Well, yeah, the, the birds are gobbling a ton on the roost. Uh, they seem to be roosting in smaller flocks, and the birds that are gobbling – uh, they're really letting it rip on the roost. We've had a couple warm days here. You know, the last two days or so, it's been up to 80, 80 degrees. So, um, you know, once once they do hit fly down, you're getting mostly shot gobbling. Uh, and, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, responding to calls or anything like that after fly down. Uh, but it's enough to get your heart beating in the morning for sure. Okay, and that kind of gets over to a perfect second question, which is, are they still flocked up or hinned up right now? Are you seeing birds still in pretty sizable flocks? So, like you're saying, when they're hitting the ground, they're just not really talking a whole bunch? Yeah, I mean, the birds, they're not, I would say they're breaking up out of their winter flocks right now uh, into their smaller, you know, I don't know if you call them their secondary, early spring flocks. Uh, but, the you know, your dominant gobblers are definitely roosting with the hens, and they're staying with them all day. Uh, they're not, uh, I have yet to see a group of birds, you know, that was just gobblers or any lone hens. They're, uh, they're definitely staying together. The hens are not laying on nest yet. So, uh, the, the biggest thing is, you know, from that flock though, you get your satellite birds roosting around them. That's where the guys I've talked to and myself, uh, in particular have had success is getting on them satellite birds. Okay, perfect. Kind of getting into that, uh, you know, where are you seeing, talking about these birds on the roost, where are you seeing them going after fly down? You know, before we started recording, you were talking about, you know, in southern Illinois where you hunt, it's mostly just big timber properties. You know, you're not really hunting any ag uh, for that for the property that you are on. So where are the turkeys going after fly down? Are you seeing them staying pretty close to the roost tree, or are they starting to cover a lot of ground the second they hit the ground? You know, right now, Jacob, they're pretty patternable. Uh, they are milling around the same areas they normally mill around in the timber, you know, tops of ridges and creek bottoms. And, you know, they're feeding on bugs, leftover acorns. 
uh, any grain that they can find in the, the surrounding crop fields, uh, and any kind of new growth that's that's coming up. The woods are finally starting to green up up here, so you know they're finding any access to food, and and they're just kind of you know doing turkey things is what I always you know buddies always say, but they're uh, yeah they're mostly staying together and and just you know finding whatever they can to eat kind of go into another question what tactics uh have been working for you so far this season especially with your bird you killed on monday uh definitely the biggest tactic with that would have been you know finding those satellite birds uh it seems like every spot that i've listened to uh over the course of the last few days and you know even on that hunt on monday you know you find a big group of gobbling birds and you you hear those seldom gobbles you know about 100 yards 150 yards off of that flock and you know those are those those satellite or subordinate birds that have probably gotten their butts kicked a time or two uh they're afraid to mix it up with the the big bad boss you know three four-year-old turkeys but uh those two-year-olds will respond and they definitely have have been answering the calls you know they're they're those birds that won't gobble as much on the roost but you know they'll definitely come into a call you know i had success monday with you know waiting for those birds to fly down since you know there isn't a whole lot of cover right now waiting for them to fly down sneaking in on them getting to where that roost was uh and then calling at those subordinate birds uh and they seem to you know maybe they're thinking that there's a you know a hand got left behind or one hand broke away from the flock and uh that you know worked really well on monday anyway so perfect actually i like that tactic especially like you're saying like the the earlier part of seasons when you know they are in these big flocks like like you said just pick off those subordinate birds and uh kind of slip in there on the roost right after they moved off so that's, that's pretty slick now kind of getting to our last question you know what's a tip for the listeners uh, that you would give them especially for someone maybe hunting that southern illinois um you know region of the country you know what's a tip you'd give them as these seasons start to open up uh, throughout the rest of the spring um, I would say definitely be patient on roosted birds. Um, unless you have them put to bed the night before, uh, the birds aren't, they haven't been gobbling. You know, by the time they start gobbling, it's pretty light outside. Uh, and if you try to get in too close to those birds, you're going to end up spooking them off the roost. So I'd say be patient with them, you know, let them fly down and then, you know, work over to that roost area, wherever you think, you know, using the terrain to your advantage get in position and you know try to pick off one of those satellite birds uh unless you have them really patterned uh and want to deer hunt them which i know a lot of us turkey hunters aren't real patient in in that regard but you know it is a successful you know proven tactic but i'd say you know be patient with them use the train to your advantage get set up and call it them them stupid two-year-olds uh there's a reason why uh, God gave two-year-old turkeys long beards. And I think it was to to help with the mental health of all of us turkey hunters. <laughs> they can make they can make you feel like the best turkey hunter in the world. Um, and like another thing, just you know, stay positive. Uh, you can go from zero to hero pretty darn quick in the turkey woods. It takes thirty seconds and one dumb two-year-old, and you're on top of the world. So you know, just stay at it and uh, keep pushing. 
Fantastic, John, dude. I couldn't have said it any better, dude. So that was perfect. And uh, again, uh, let me ask you this. Do you have uh, opportunities later on this spring for any more tags up there in Illinois, or are you going to have to try to go out of state or something? Actually, yeah. I'm uh, self-quarantining with a buddy. I'm calling for him in the morning uh, over here on one of his properties. And then my second tag actually uh, starts up on Saturday. So I'll be back hunting the same flock of birds, and I've got another property in that county that I can go to. Um, you know, if the quarantine thing, if it, if it keeps up and things starting to loosen up, there's possibly a trip to Kansas in play, and I have a, a fifth season tag for down in one of the really southern Illinois counties. So you just got to be got to be strategic about what weekends you're playing stuff on and kind of let the girlfriend know hey uh these are turkey hunting weekends and uh don't expect to see much of me so <laughs> yep awesome all right john well man we appreciate you coming on for this week's start report good luck to the rest of your season and again uh stay safe this weekend okay no problem jacob thanks a lot for having me i appreciate it all right guys and last but not least uh, coming in from north carolina we got trent bouts trent how you doing man I'm doing pretty good this evening. How are you? I'm doing excellent, dude. Uh, it's a great way to, for us to wrap wrap up this strip report with North Carolina with y'all season coming in this weekend. So it's a perfect timing for this. Uh, so hopefully we hit the nail on the head on this so guys can go out and have some success this Saturday. Uh, but Trent, I know you've, you've been out listening for some birds, which is going to kind of help us with this strip report, kind of figuring out what's going on, at least in the, the part of the state that you're hunting. So kind of jumping right in uh, to this episode um, of North Carolina and covering North Carolina, you know, what has the gobbling activity been like for you? That's why you've been listening over the last week or so. Well, I would say um, last week, um, sort of the week before our youth season here, which runs from Saturday, April 4th. This year it'll be Saturday, it was Saturday, April 4th to Saturday, uh, April 11th when, when uh, general turkey season comes in. The week before youth season, I would say, you know, we had some um, we had some good high-pressure systems, um, pretty cool weather, but uh, I would say the birds were pretty much on fire. Uh, they were, you could, every, about every every property we were, we were going to, public and private, uh, we were hearing multiple birds gobbling on the roost and some of them just absolutely hammering down, you know, gobbling 30, 40, 50 times on the roost. All right, and that kind of goes over to the next question, which is talking about kind of hinned up birds or flocked up birds. Uh, you know, right now at this point, the season, uh, as season's getting ready to open, or general season's getting ready to open this weekend, you know, are the birds from what you've been experiencing and also maybe years past, right now, are they still fairly flocked up? Or at this point of the season, you know, very early on, um, at this part of April, you know, are the birds still uh, kind of flocked up, or do you start seeing hens kind of separate and do their own thing right now? I think part of it has to do, my personal theory is that um, part of it has to do with the food sources. Um, anywhere where you have fields that are plowed, what we see anyways, is anywhere where you have fields that are sort of intermittently plowed um, is going to sort of encourage the birds to break up um, because the birds, you know, they have to move to get uh, to their food source. so. They may stay together as a group for a while, but um, you're going to have, you know, a gobbler go off this way and a couple hens go off this way and stuff. And you can, you know, you can hear them talking to each other down the woods and they may not necessarily move far from each other. But we have started to see, particularly later in the mornings, you know, around 8, 830 as we've listened and observed, 
see them start to kind of distance themselves from one another. Now, that being said, um, in uh, uh, northern Durham County, um, I was talking with a friend of mine who was taking his son in new season, and they had four two-year-olds that were with about 12 hens that gobbled their heads off for about three hours, and they could never get one of those birds to turn off. And the hens and those gobblers all stayed together. Um, until they eventually wandered, you know, across the property line and they couldn't pursue them. So I think a little bit bit of it has to do with, with where you are, but, but we see particularly as the farmers are getting out and starting to plow these fields, you know, the birds, they head to the, it's like a magnet for them. They just head to those plowed fields. All right, perfect. Well, kind of getting into another question, uh, you know, just from your history with some of these properties, and I know you picked up some new properties as well, but, you know, right now in early season or, you know, again, right before season comes in, you know, are you seeing or are you experiencing turkeys when they come off the roost, especially the gobblers, are they staying close to the roost or are they automatically trying to cover ground early on? We've honestly, since we started listening, you know, um, you know, back in the, the end of March and the very beginning of April, um, gobblers were, were already, the, the turkeys were already moving pretty far from the roost. And, you know, and I think that, I think that that has more to do um, with, you know, we, we had uh, uh, an exceptionally warm winter here and it's been quite dry. And, uh, you know, the winter wheat fields that are normally, you know, at this time of year may be, maybe six, eight inches high. I mean, they're already 12, 14 inches high. Hay fields are, are the same way. Um, they're real clumpy, real lush. And I think the birds, honestly, um, and, you know, I'm no biologist, but my, my sort of based on, you know, the body language I see in them and stuff like that, they, if they're, if they, if they fly down somewhere and there's not enough room for them and they don't want to be there, they start, they start going somewhere else pretty quickly. Okay. And again, is that something that you think is going to uh, progress throughout this next week of the season? I absolutely, I think as we get warm weather and uh, the hay fields and the winter wheat uh, jumps, um, you know, particularly as it, it as it starts to grow and, and early in the mornings, I, I just don't think you're, uh, you know, we're we're focused a lot um, actually right now from where we would normally be, you know, be focused more listening around some of the fields and stuff like that. We learned pretty early on this year to, uh, you know, basically get down into creek bottoms where the sun, you know, underneath the big hardwoods and stuff where the sun uh, can't get down in there too well. And it's still real open in there. And we're seeing still, still turkeys doing, a, you know, they're wanting to be in, in areas where they're open, and I still think that in areas where there were really good acorn, you know, really good acorn drops this year, um, we're seeing some birds that are still in that transition. They're still eating some of their wintertime food, scratching for acorns and stuff, as well as starting to move to the plow fields to eat the grubs and invertebrates and things. Yeah, you're kind of going over into this opening weekend and kind of your tactics. What are you going to be focusing on for this opening weekend? What are you going to be trying to do to, you know, put the cars in, in your favor to, uh, you know, get a bird down this weekend? Well, the first thing we're going to do this weekend uh, is uh, sort of put um, our personal uh, desire to kill a bird aside, and we're actually going to uh, 
take a landowner who hasn't killed a bird in a long, long time, but, but owns a lot of property and is gracious enough to give us permission to hunt it. And we're going to try to get her a bird. So we're going to work pretty hard for probably three or four hours Saturday morning, or as long as she's willing to stay out there with us. And, uh, and try to get her a, a gobbler on the ground, and I know she'll be tickled with it. Well, fantastic. That'll be exciting as well, uh, and a great way to, uh, you know, get in good and, and keep the landowners happy with you. So that, that's that's fantastic. And uh, kind of getting to that last question, you know, what's a tip you'd give the listeners, especially, you know, anyone in North Carolina is getting ready for this opening, uh, opening day. What tips would you give them uh, to maybe put the odds in their favor for this hunt? Well, I think in this in this day and age, um, and I would say this is a tip for for hunting overall, and maybe just a tip for life overall. But patience, 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 patience kills more turkeys. Patience kills more big bucks. Patience trains better bird dogs. Uh, patience, um, you know, stay that extra thirty minutes, stay that extra forty five minutes, stay that extra hour. Um, you know, really uh, try to have that dialogue with yourself when you're hunting, you know, and follow your gut and, you know, stay there long enough that you can really make sort of what I call uh, an educated decision with your stomach rather than just just a reaction, you know, you know, really, really make an informed decision. And, you know, the, the difference, you know, particularly with turkeys, whether you go to the left side of the creek bottom or the right side of the creek bottom can be the difference between, you know, taking home a turkey or not. The, the other specific advice I guess I would give uh, to to this area based on, uh, I guess, some of the, uh, the scouting um, and information that we've been getting is uh, we really are seeing the birds uh, roosted in the creek bottoms and the river bottoms and they, they seem to, at least so far this year, be staying on the roost um, a little bit longer than normal. And if you can, you know, instead of setting up in that field where you've always set up on opening day, hoping a gobbler's going to come in, you know, go to where the birds are. Don't be afraid to uh, to try something new and get into some new habitat. And if you're, if you're patient and you take things slow, um, you know, you can have a real chance. And, and I guess the other piece of advice is, is be still, you know turkeys they can they can see uh their vision just constantly uh it, it, it just blows my mind what they can see and what they can pick up on um and you know just you know you, you move that hand you go to go to readjust because your back or your knee or something is, you know is is hurting and, and and you know i've been guilty of it myself but it uh you just try to eliminate as much unnecessary movement as possible Yep, and that's a very good point. They actually bit me and Andrew in the butt uh, Sunday uh, morning on a on a freaking one heck of a turkey, dude. Um, we, <laughs> uh, we, I think we talked about it in the episode uh, that dropped on Monday, but uh, yeah, we had a situation happen where we kind of got impatient after a little while and started looking at the phones. And we Andrew was about to stand up and, and uh, we were about to pack our stuff up. And I look up down the road bed we were sitting off of, and there's a freaking dude a uh, a big a big turkey he's he's right there at 65 yards 60 yards from us and uh he absolutely caught andrew trying to move probably caught us on the phone and then also caught me grabbing him to sit there uh, to like you know sit still uh, when i saw the bird and uh yeah he wasn't having much of that before he wanted to uh kind of uh as uh, clay collie says boogie 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 down the road so uh, well, and, and that's 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 another piece of advice i, w- I would give people is is uh um you know, I, 
I see it in the YouTube videos and stuff like that. Every, you know, and I've, I've got Onyx myself, and, and it's an invaluable tool uh, for studying property boundaries and things like that. And if anybody has ever, you know, wondered about the accuracy of it, um, we've tested it with some, you know, with some hard marks, and it's been pretty spot on. Um, I'm, you know, not 10 foot off, not 20 foot off, but when it says you're on a corner, you're pretty much on the corner. Um, but we, it's one of the things we try to do is really go over that stuff. Uh, we try to get early, early. That's another tip I would give. Get, get there early, early, early as you can. Uh, don't be rushed. Go over the property boundaries, uh, the geographical features and things beforehand. Um, because it's, you know, it's just like that big buck sticking his head out of the thicket. That gobbler can stick his head out of that, out of that thicket onto that road and take one step out and, and, he sees a glare off your phone or something like that, and he's gone. Yep, very good point. And Trent, I mean, dude, you're spot on with that. But, you know, with that being said, Trent, we appreciate you coming on for the this week's Strut Report, dude, and representing North Carolina. I know it's uh, you probably have a pretty exciting season coming up as well with, with the weather and everything playing out the way it is. But, uh, man, we wish you the best of luck this season. We'll kind of have to keep in touch and see how it goes for you. But uh, stay safe, and y'all go get that landowner a, a turkey this weekend. We're going to try all right, and that's a wrap, guys, for this week's Strut Report. Thanks again for everyone tuning in and checking this episode out. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for our episode come Monday for our, our main uh, episode of the week. And uh, for anyone getting out there this weekend, especially like in North Carolina or any of these other states that are starting to open up, stay safe, have fun, and uh, good luck try to kill some birds. Also, uh, we're doing, uh, we're kind of posting some listener success stories, uh, kind of like in groups, because there's so many people killing turkeys right now. Uh, so if you kill any birds this weekend, uh, let us know. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram, um, and then we'll be able to post that up uh, sometime later on this week. So we appreciate it. Hey everybody, this is Kyle Veet, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.